Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, Stiff Farm going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the side. It's the 49er Faithful UK show. Week 8 is upon us, and the 5 and 2 Niners are back at Levi's to face the 3 and 3 Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals have started the season slow, but have just enjoyed a bye week and will no doubt fancy their chances against an out of sorts Niners. As for the Niners, a bounce back performance and a win at home would raise spirits before our week 9 bye. And due to the clock change, it is an 8.15 kickoff. But it's also on Sky, so we'll be blacked out on Dzzn. I'm Gareth Ellis, and here, bringing positive vibes only, it's Lee Gowland. Hey, guys. And Paul Hope. What's up, Fairful? So, no Nagy can't join us this evening for recording on Thursday, but he has dropped in his score predictions, uh, but we will get to that a little bit later. Uh, and before we look forward to the game, let's head over to Lee Gowland's History Corner, as the Niners Bengals have had... At least a couple of notable matchups in the past. Isn't that right, Lee? Yeah, that is right. So let's take you back to the uh, the Browns preview when I did the history corner. And we were all quite shocked that um, over the whole history of the head-to-head, they'd only ever played 20 times. And we found that quite, quite a low, quite low number. Well, it's not as low as the number I'm just about to give you. <laughs> so believe it or not, the 49ers and Bengals have only gone up against each other 17 times. Can you believe that? And of those 17 times, two of them win the Super Bowl. I, I think that I'm is... I'm shocked. Yeah, I, I think that is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, the Bengals have only actually won once in the last 20 years. So history is mm. on our side. Mm-hmm. I've probably jinxed us there. I think the so. 49ers have won nine in a row from 1978 to 1996, and that included both Super Bowl victories. Um, Super Bowl 16, which was a 26-21 victory, and also Super Bowl 23, which was a 2016 victory. In Super Bowl 16, our good friend Chris Collingsworth played, and he had over <laughs> 100 yards receiving. Now there's a guy. And his fellow wide receiver, Dan Ross, also went over 100 yards. Yet they didn't come out victorious because the 49ers managed to uh, stifle them. In Super Bowl 23, the defense managed to derail the Icky Wood shuffle. He was not shuffling that day. He only managed 79 yards and did not get into the end zone. Jerry Rice, on the other hand, he went off. He had 215 yards receiving and a touchdown and Roger Craig finished with 172 yards from scrimmage which was quite impressive players that have played for both teams include Terrell Owens the cowboy Justin Smith Manny Manny Larson Manny Lawson who was drafted in 2006 along with Vernon Davis and Delaney Walker that must be our best ever draft for tight ends because both of those tight ends were excellent and also Trent Taylor. Now, the Trent Taylor one, I think we were all quite surprised. He was Jimmy G's favourite target during the first season. Um, and quickly, we, we lost him through free agency. And we thought because of the connection that he had with Jimmy G, the chemistry, we may have kept him. But he ended up going to the Bengals and played there for a couple of years. That is basically it for History Corner. Unfortunately, I've been so busy today, I haven't been able to delve into it properly. Um, there were some other players that have played for both teams, um, obviously. Um, notable names, Ahmed Brooks, linebacker. He was a really good linebacker for us. Um, who else? Oh, Tyler Croft. Don't think I should really mention his name after the NFC Championship game, but yeah, Tyler Croft. A um, couple of defensive backs, uh, Jacques Denard, he, he played for them. Can't remember who else it was. So somebody else stood out as being um, somebody that we've had recently. Oh, Drake Kirkpatrick. He played for them mm-hmm. as well. And some other minor players. Uh, and then surprise, surprise, no Rere Armstrong. You're joking. I am not. We're finally well. getting through all these teams and we're suddenly going on a stretch, a run of teams that Rere has never played for. 
You should Amazing. have stuck him in there just to see if the eagle eyed out there I like know. Alex Simpson was fact checking. Yeah. But Check well done for being Check honest, Lee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I should have done that. Mm, so bonus. over to you two guys. Let's hear about uh, the Bengals and where they're going to cause us problems. Well, I think I'll, I'll just dip in, in, into history corner. Certainly, Super Bowl twenty three was the uh, first game I watched, um, as in really? watched live. As a, as I had started supporting the Niners the the year before, um, and I had a, a big smile there where you talked about Icky Woods shuffling nowhere. Um, and what I do yeah. remember from that is he shuffled quite well for about three or four times, and then he shuffled himself straight into Ronnie Lot and never recovered for the yeah. rest of the game. Um, that's something I, I remember from that game distinctly, along with, sadly, a couple of bad injuries, um, both to, one to yeah. the Niners and one to the Bengals, um, yeah. which which sort of knocked the game, I think, slightly out of kilter in that first half. It turned into a bit of a field goal, goal thriller before uh, Stanford Jennings opened the game up with that kick return. Um, yeah, yeah right. happy, happy memories right. of the way that game ended. Um, and yeah. yeah, great performance and a, and a uh, legendary drive from Joe Montana uh, to see think, all the game. Yeah, and I think I, I think that first major injury um, to the Bengals' offensive line, I'm, I'm sure that was on their very first drive. And so it might have even been was, at the goal line as well. Was it at the goal line where he got injured? It was their nose tackle. Cumry? Tim Cumry? Who I got that right? I think so, yeah. We lost Steve Wallace, uh, left yeah. or right tackle. Um, both broke their legs, I think, in the, in the first yeah. quarter. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Now, I know Barry didn't want the movie references, but sorry, Barry, wasn't this the John Candy game? Wasn't this the it game was. where Joe Montana looked up yeah. into the stadium yeah. and all the team laughed? And obviously, that kind of story is one of the early fighting Anna stories that I heard. So I thought you'd mention that. And we did say our fairly recent history, Brandon Ayuk's diving touchdown to secure that overtime win from a couple of years ago. So, interestingly, I walked past a Bengals fan at work today, hat on, said, all right, mate. And he was just like, the Niners are a team that I've got no feelings either way against. And I thought that was quite surprising until you've mentioned there, we've hardly played each other. So that's probably why there isn't this sense of rivalry. Yeah, yeah I think I the, mean... the two Super Bowls were long enough ago that they've perhaps uh, no longer so current. Well, I don't know. I mean, Chris Collinsworth never forgetting them. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you can tell any time he commentates on a 49ers game, it, it's this chip on his shoulder. Totally, totally. I mean, anyway, give, give him his juice. He was he was a really good receiver, Chris Collinsworth. He was. He was. The Bengals had a very good team uh, that year, uh, and it was yeah. a it was a good matchup. So, shall we look forward? Uh, if that's the right word, to the next game. Uh, I will start it off with the injury update. As everyone is probably or should be aware, Brock Purdy entered the concussion protocol, having displayed some symptoms after the Vikings game. His status is questionable, and I would probably say that is very questionable given the concussion protocol. Uh, Debo, of course, is definitely out. Trent Williams is also questionable, but it does appear that CMC has been practising. Uh, I'm not sure about the status of Dre Greenlaw since he clearly came back but did seem to be a little bit banged up um, at the end of the Vikings game. As for the Bengals, they've just enjoyed their bye week and they seem pretty healthy. They have linebacker Akeem Davis-Skyder and possibly left tackle Orlando Brown listed as questionable. And I say possibly because I've seen Brown listed in some places and not others as questionable. Uh, but obviously the big news is Brock. Paul, what is your take on it? Um, and do you think Sam Darnold will be making his first Niners start? Well, my take is we're recording this on Thursday night, but at one point it looked like we were recording on Wednesday for Nadji's schedule. So I put together my scouting report we decided, what, about six o'clock yesterday we weren't recording? And then the time we would have finished end record is when the news hit that Brock Purdy had entered the concussion protocol. So I kind of had a bit of a wee smile thinking, I'm glad we didn't record, but social media hasn't quite melted down yet. Um, at first, I wasn't sure when he'd taken the hit, but Nadji shared it in our group chat. And obviously seeing the angle that Nadji shared, it was a, a pretty horrific hit. So it was. As it stands at the moment, obviously his health comes first. If he's not ready to take the field, Kyle Shanahan has said he's got every confidence in Sam Darnold. 
that's good enough for me as it stands at the moment. Um, I haven't changed my scores, unlike our esteemed colleague who's not joining mm. us tonight, but Lee's obviously got a smile on his face. But it is a worry that the NFL supposed to have these guys up in the sky looking out for play safety, and, and he took a hit. Non-Niners fans listening chaps are going to say, oh, you're making excuses, but it clearly affected his performance. And I've seen many a tweet out there which shows after the concussion, maybe that has to play a part and some of the uh, passes that went amiss in, in the interception. I think the, there's a chance he might play, but from all the stuff I've seen, it would be a bit of a surprise given where we are today. But I'm not worried about Sam Darnold, unlike others. What, how do you feel, Lee? Are, are we... Season's done, the sky's falling in because Sam Darnold's coming in, <laughs> or is there some conspiracy theory yeah, that Brock's been benched and Sam's the one that Kyle really wanted? <laughs> No, no, I, I can't. No, just no. <laughs> just no. Yeah, I don't know how many times I can just say that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to. I know be off air. We said we were going to talk about this at the end, but because it's about Brock Purdy, I, I just want to bring something up. So Brock Purdy, I, I, I think it's obviously we all disappointed that he's not uh, playing, but apparently one person isn't that disappointed. On the news that he had a concussion, he actually posted to say it was excellent news. And I think that is absolutely deplorable. Now, the full context was, this is excellent news. We get to see Sam Darnold. But to say that about somebody who's just had a concussion, something that could affect him for the rest of his life, depending on how bad the concussion was, I think is absolutely deplorable. That person isn't a fan. He's a troll of the team that he considers to be a fan of. It, to me... Absolutely disgraceful. Um, I will be keeping an eye on that to see uh, whether or not that goes anywhere else. Um, but yeah, to say that, absolutely shameful. Not mm. happy with that yeah. whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brock Purdy, Paul said it. You've seen the stats, how he played before he uh, suffered that concussion and how he played afterwards. Chalk and cheese. Um, we didn't know it at the time. We know it now. It does explain it. Um, the fact that it, it's only come out yesterday, which is a good 24 hours after the flight. Now, we said he started feeling well on the flight. So I don't know why there was such a big gap in between the flight and then them confirming it. Oh, yeah, he's got concussion. Surely well, they would have been I, able to make that assessment straight away. I, I would imagine I think, the uh, doctors fly out with them. Well, I think we probably knew, but it seemed to come out purely because it was Shanahan's Wednesday morning press conference. And that was the time that he announced it. All right. That that was my understanding of it anyway, that it was yeah. announced by Shanahan at his press conference uh, where you do the usual injury roundup um, and dropped it out there. Uh, we do th th keep things fairly close to our chest in the organisation. And I do like that we were fairly tight-lipped organisation and that didn't sort of spill out. Yeah. Because I, I have no doubt that the team knew and the team were acting on it, but didn't have to announce it until Shanahan um, is, is on the podium. Is that right? Because I thought it was supposed to make the NFL aware immediately of any concussion protocol news. I don't know. Possibly. Well, or maybe I, they did let the NFL yeah. know, but does the NFL then obliged to spill the beans yeah yeah could have been that could have been that um but but to answer Paul's question again um i i can't see him playing i don't i don't think brock no. will play I, I think it will be sam donald um i i think we may see a drop off in performance from our quarterback he didn't really feel as full of confidence during the preseason but i still think he can he can do a job there. And Shanahan obviously has um, plenty of confidence in him. That's why he brought him in and kept him in. So, yeah, say, it'll be interesting to see what he does. And, and he, he's experienced. 60-odd starts, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. So, and he, he's still Not young. many wins, but 60-odd starts. No, but he was he was playing on a pretty awful Jets team he was, for much of yeah. that. I just think it's given the whole kind of QB controversy, which I thought had settled down. Sam Darnold beat out Trey Lance in training camp. Um, we have good friends, content creators that were there. Like you said, Lee, maybe the fact that the Bengals aren't great at the run defence, and we'll get into that in the scouting report, could be playing in our hands. I've seen a few people say 
that we're all right because Brandon Allen's going to have given us all the secrets of the playbook, like what traded to Dallas. So who, who knows, chaps? We, we might be right. I just, I just wanted to echo your thoughts, Lee, that we have a good community, but equally, anyone taking delight in player injury, that's not something that I agree with. I'm kind of glad I've been at work and busy today in the office that I haven't been on social media. Gareth asked me before you joined us, what's it been like on 49ers Twitter? And I said, I haven't really checked in today, but from what I saw last night, it wasn't too bad. Um, yeah. The main concern was Brock's health. And then obviously a few yeah. people going back and watching the game tape, like you said, Gareth. So maybe the game on Monday night wasn't as bad as we first thought. But I know we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. So I'll shut that before we go down yeah. there. There's been a lot of measured responses on social media, mm. which is good to see. So we will all keep an eye on that, I think. And and, and hopefully everyone, I think, will get behind Darnold. Um particularly if he, he might struggle early on. He clearly he hasn't played in a while. Uh, so let's let's get behind him if indeed he is the starter uh, and let's hope he can pull out the win. But should we, uh, should we look at the uh, enemy camp? Should we have a look at the Bengals' defence, which Paul has been scouting uh, in detail, I think, from at least yesterday? Yeah. So as I said... Uh, fail to prepare, prepare, prepare to fail. And I thought we were jumping on last night. So when you messaged this morning and said, who wants who? I was like, I need to stick with the defense because I've got no time to look at the offense. Now, interestingly, chaps, we're not facing a new defensive coordinator. Uh, I'll probably butcher his name, but uh, let's have a look at my notes. Lou Anarumo is his name, or for his better nickname, is the Mad Scientist. Now, I had spent quite a big section, Gareth, saying, is this mad scientist going to be in the kitchen cooking up some looks for Brock Purdy? But that news is broke and it's Sam Darnold. But normally, the Bengals' offence gets more attention than the defence, given that they've got Joe Burrows, Jamar Chase. But the Bengals' defence over the last couple of years has quietly become one of the better units in the NFL. I'm sure we all remember the Bengals schooling both Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen in recent years. And if you're not aware of that, go on YouTube, go and look at the game tape. I remember watching that game against Mahomes live and I was quite shocked, Gareth, that Superman seemed to be quite human and the Bengals seemed to have the kryptonite. So, Barry, the movie references are rolling off the tongue. <laughs> no, you didn't want them, but they're coming. But as I said, the mad scientist has got the defence performing really well at the right times and he's very similar to Flores, Gareth. So when you go and watch the game tape, he likes to bring pressures from different areas. He likes to do what the Vikings do. He's not really bothered about your position. He schemes for the team that he's playing against. So especially against the Bills, he had Josh Allen all confused. I don't know about you two chaps, but Josh Allen's one of my favourite quarterbacks in the league. And to see him struggling. He tends to set the defence up where it looks like they're maintaining the coverage shell. And sometimes they'll line up in a 3-2-6 formation. And it looks as if the linebackers are kind of coming up to the line of scrimmage to blitz. And then when the ball snapped, he drops the linebackers back. And all of a sudden, those intermediate passing lanes, which Brock Purdy likes so much, are taken away by the linebackers. And I think you know where I'm going with this, chaps. That's where I focused a lot of my attention. Because I was going to go on about this being Brock's bounce-back game and what was Shanahan going to do differently. Before I move on, is it some, am I on the right page for you two? with my analysis at the moment, is the Bengals' defence one used to were aware of with the, well, the looks and different coverages? You've, you've said they've they clearly got the measure of the Chiefs in what they won three in a row. I think, as you've said, they've made it difficult for some good teams. I think they, they have struggled a li this, little this year, being three and three, but there's, there's some danger there. I think particularly in the secondary, I think they are racking up the interceptions at quite a good rate uh, and have shut down the pass game, but are not so good against the run this year. So maybe that's somewhere that might work in our favour. And we talked on the last show about us seeming to move away from the run game a little bit. Maybe the Bengals defence is one that where we can get back to our, our familiar identity, I think, of being able to pound the ball and actually get positive yardage on first and second downs and open up the playbook a little bit later on. Particularly if it's Darnold, I think we're, we're going to have to lean on the run game uh, perhaps a little bit more than we would have if it's Purdy. What do you think, Lee? 
Yeah, I agree with that, which means I'm now getting a little bit nervous about uh, the offensive line and what gaps they're going to open up for CMC. Um, obviously, we are missing Trent Williams quite a bit as far as the run game is concerned. Um, the fact that we don't have Debo there either kind of focuses everybody on CMC, which makes it even harder again. So, yeah, um, it's going to be one of those typical one-in-the-trenches type thing. If, if we can... If we can manage to find the gaps in the Bengals' defense and move the ball, that's obviously going to open up some um, some passing for Sam Darnold. Hopefully, he doesn't have to go deep and, and risk having uh, having the ball picked off. But yeah, I, I think we need to concentrate and run, and hopefully, we do a lot better than what we've done in the previous two weeks. Well, I did see that. Uh, I did see that the Bengals have struggled against tight ends so far this season, so could be a kittle game, particularly if they're keying in on uh, Ayuk and McCaffrey. Sorry, Paul. No, no, it's as if you see the notes, Gareth. It's as if this is prepared, because all I was going to sprinkle in is I've gone back over the last few weeks, and I think the new scouting report feature's good, but there's the risk of me and Nadji talking for minutes and minutes and minutes. So what I've tried to do this week is bring you and Lee back into it, but the 150 yards rushing per game they're giving up at the moment are 4.4 yards per carry. But like you said, Lee, what I'm worried about is the the two-headed monster, Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, the defensive ends. They're the new dynamic duo that the Bengals fans are really liking. It's not about Burrows and Chase. It's about those two. Um, Hubbard is tied for third in the league with 18 solo tackles, and he's first in the league with 11 assisted tackles. And I'm worried, like you said, Lee, that the mad scientist is going to show all these different looks. But at the heart of it, if the holes open up, they're going to be there to stuff the run. And they reminded me of Eric Armstead and Hargrave for us. Now, I am a little bit confident, given the stats and what they've given up. But I was going to say, they tend to struggle against tight ends, Gareth. So maybe my bold prediction might reflect that with Club 85 having a big game. Who knows? Who knows indeed. Anything else on the defensive side, Paul? You've covered that quite nicely, I think. I no, think it's I... always difficult to see how a, how a team is going to react to its bye week. The only I thing I was going to say unknown. is their defensive coordinator came into this season ranked by PFF as the number one defensive coordinator. And there's mm. rumours that he could be in for a head coaching job. And given the talk we've seen this week of um, is Wilkes under pressure, it looks as if the Bengals have got full confidence in their coordinator. He's allowed free reign, basically. So I'm a little bit nervous. I'm trying to be a little bit kind of like balanced heading into this game, especially with Sam Darnold under centre. I haven't got too much on any other players, but like you said, the secondary, they seem to have quite a lot of interceptions sprinkled around there, and they're quite young and dynamic. So that's something that I was going to say watch out for, but I don't think Darnold is going to have the same freedom as Brock Purdy. Do you, Lee? You think Sam's going to be allowed to air it out, or do you think it's just going to be there? You go, CMC. There you go, CMC. No, I, I actually do think you'll be allowed to air it out. I, I wouldn't be mm-hmm. surprised if we see two or three really long throws because he's got yeah. a cracking arm on him. So I mean, we may as well use it. Get get Ronnie Bell on there mm-hmm. on the cloud. See if we can, yeah. See if we can stretch the field a little bit. See, it's, it's, I mean, <laughs> let him do it. Let him try. Well, not nothing to lose. Exactly. Nothing. Except except the game. Yeah. <laughs> so one. uh unfortunately with without Nagy here it's it's fallen to me to cover the offense and do my uh, first scouting report. Uh it has turned into a bit of a monologue. Um so uh, sorry about that, but there we go. I have tried to cover things in detail. So the Bengals offense led of course by the fifty five million dollar man, Joe Burrow. Um and sorry Joe, there is only one Joe call. And it ain't you. Burrow sustained an injury in preseason and has struggled completing only 63.4% of passes for seven TDs with four interceptions. Burrow has also been sacked 14 times, despite the Bengals' attempt to rebuild a bit of a flimsy O-line that did probably cost them a Super Bowl win two years ago. Burrow's main man is, of course, Jamar Chase, who hasn't got the stats that stand out, but I think that's more on Burrow than it is on Chase. He does line up in the perimeter and also on the inside, in the, in the more in the slot position. So watch for the Bengals 
finding mismatches with Chase cutting shallow or deep across the middle, as well as being dangerous on the perimeter. He is also a pretty dangerous red zone target. He always seems to be finding a little bit of space in that condensed field. Chase is supported in the wide receiver room by Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, both capable receivers who can certainly hurt teams that focus too much on stopping Chase. Uh, The Bengals have a veritable who's nobody at tight end, and collectively they have caught 18 passes all season. Uh, The 32nd ranked Bengals run game has also struggled to get going, with Joe Mixon managing only 3.8 yards a carry. He has, however, put in 61 yards a game, which shows that despite their struggles, the Bengals have stuck with that run game, and they do put in about 20 carries per game, so they have tried to maintain a balanced offence. The Bengals haven't really got going this season, but their bye did come at a good time, and they certainly have the weapons to get things going if they can keep Joe Burrow upright. So that's it for the Bengals' offense. Who do you think is uh, Jamar Chase and Burrow? Obviously, what, I mean, what do you make of the Bengals? They they put over thirty, I think, on the on the Cardinals, um, and then I think the last game they squeaked to win seventeen thirteen over the Seahawks, which, to be honest, they probably should have lost if the Seahawks weren't so terrible in the red zone during that game. I think the only thing that's stopping the Bengals from being a really good team this season is consistency. They're a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team, to be honest, and it's quite surprising because, as Paul said, I mean, Joe Burrow is one one of his favourite quarterbacks. I think he's excellent. Love watching him play. Um, Does actually remind us of Joe Montana a little bit, um, which is why I do like watching him play. So to to see them having an up-and-down season like this is kind of disappointing. Um, I'm trying to remember, I think it was the Chiefs that I predicted that we would play in the Super Bowl. Um, but th- there's like that romance part of it that kind of wanted it to be the Bengals so we could beat them a third time. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris Collins would have something else to uh, complain about the 49ers. But um, I, I, I love watching the Bengals play. Um, Jim Archias so you- does worry me. <laughs> Yeah, he's a very, very good uh, wide receiver. Obviously, you saw what happened um, last week and the week before when when our defensive line's not getting any pressure, our cornerbacks go to twenty eighteen level cornerback player, uh, and we seem to not be able to cover anyone. So that that does have us concerned, especially with Joe Burrow, who's pulling the trigger. Um, other than that, I don't think they've got a particularly good run game. And I was quite surprised to see that they actually passed the ball 68% of the time and only run 32% of the time, which is good because at times our run defence can be pretty poor, if I'm honest. Um, so I think it'll come down to whether or not we can get our pass rush going again because for some reason the last two games it's just disappeared. Um, obviously, Nick Bosa gave that interview where he kind of... He kind of um, hinted that not everything is great between the relationship with uh, the defence and Wilkes. They're kind of surprised about some of the player calling. Um, obviously, we said this in the uh, the review show for the Vikings, and that, that one particular player call really irked me. But then there were some of the others, and I was thinking, this is just not a 49ers defence. We, we haven't done this. I, I know he had, a, he had a reputation for blitzing a lot, he didn't blitz too much the first four, four or five games, and we won them all. And now all of a sudden, he's going, I wouldn't say blitz heavy, but a significant increase in the blitzes that we would normally run, and we've lost the last two games. I'm not saying that's the the reason why, but it is a bit of a coincidence. Hmm. You do, I do wonder, with a little bit of reflection, obviously the... The Browns, as they said, they they dragged us down into the mud and, and wanted to play a dirty grinding game, and they, they were able to do that. Uh, I wonder if we did think, okay, that's just that one game. It was poor weather. Uh, we'll stick with the defense because it's worked so far. And the Vikings took that blueprint that the Browns had set out and basically executed it far better because they've got much better quarterback uh, and I think a much better offensive line. And it was just the flatness of the defence, I think, against the Vikings that you did have that wonder of, is everybody buying into the game plan that they've been given, which did seem to be stick to, with what we've known 
uh, and your recency bias of we struggled against the Browns and couldn't get anywhere. And you just wonder if that was a little bit unsettling because we do seem to have lost a little bit of that defensive intensity and the identity that went with it. So something to watch there. Paul? This was my Super Bowl preview, Lee. I thought it was going to be the Bengals 49ers. So this was a game that I had circled on the calendar with great interest. And our good friends Gridiron, when I went on my summer holidays, Gareth, their season preview, did an article on the Bengals, on Joe Burrow, and the offensive line. And I found that quite interesting because what they said is the Bengals' offensive line was middle of the pack. And that's all it needed to be because Joe Burrow was so good at getting the ball out. Um, he's got an injury. He had a calf injury at the start of the season. I think, if you think back, Lee, when they took Jamar Chase, a lot of the experts said it was the wrong pick. They should have been picking the offensive line. But Joe Burrows had beat the drum for his boy Jamar Chase and them two together are quite dynamic. But when we played them last time, Chase wasn't quite as good. So I'm, 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 I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping hope. I think Ambry Thomas had a good game if you go back and watch the tape. Now, I don't think Thomas will be the one covering him on the Sunday night. But I think our D-line might do well against this offensive line. And I'm hoping that, like you said, Lee, we go back to our blueprint, rush the four, tighten up at the back and, and get rid of some of these packages. I mean, Hafanga kind of seems to be in no man's land at the moment. He doesn't know whether he needs to blitz, doesn't know whether he needs to stay. And hopefully uh, the D-line coach, whose name I can never pronounce, so I'm not going to say it. Hopefully he's had a bit Chris. more involvement. Yeah, Chris. Maybe he's had a bit more involvement on the training field. It's a home game. Home field advantage does count for something in the NFL slightly. Like you said, it, it's an earlier game for us. So I'm excited, and I do think that maybe we see a bounce-back game from Nick Borsa, but I'll keep that for the bold predictions. Lee, you're deep in thought. Yeah, so I'm, not, I'm just thinking what Paul said there about bounce-back game for Nick Borsa. Um, I'm going to go to a comment made by Lawrence Lofts. And um, that that comment was about Nick Bosa, the fact that he pretty much missed all of preseason, which he did. Um, I think he had one practice before he started, so so he he was good four or five weeks behind everybody else. And as everybody's getting game fitness, he's still struggling to get up there. I don't think we'll see the real Nick Bosa until probably week eleven, week twelve. Week twelve would be nice. Yeah, but a bounce, a bounce back given compared to what we've seen. I just think given the interview yeah, yeah. that he's yeah. given, I think if any player on your team has earned the kind of credit in the bank to go to the podium and maybe speak a little bit, it's your likes of Nick Bosa, your Fred Warner. But I do think internally you have to back that up. I think we've got that kind of culture in that locker room where if he's put his head above the parapet a little bit, and it wasn't too negative, like you said, Lee. I, I just sometimes with boss, you can just never read his demeanour because Steph Sanchez does a better impression than me, so I'm not going to do it. But he just seems to be the same kind of level all the way. But it just yeah. the way he said it was a little bit more. I think there was some meaning behind it. Yeah, I mean, obviously going a little bit off topic here, but <laughs> what do you think must have been going through Wilkes's mind this week? where he's seen his star player on defence call him out, kind of call him out. His head coach turned around and said, you cannot make that type of call at the end of the first half. So he's getting it from his head coach and a star player. How do you think he's going to respond to that? Do you think we're going to see as many blitzes this week? Or do you think it's going to be vastly reduced where we might only see three or four blitzes the entire game. Well, apparently Shanahan is asked to sit in some of the defensive meetings, hasn't he? Apparently he's cleared his schedule, so he's going to be more hands-on with the defence. And right. Maybe it's part of the locker room culture. Maybe he has been challenged. This maybe has happened behind closed doors before. And I know this show would known for being positive and upbeat, but we criticised Ryans. We criticised Salah. And I think it's fair to say that we've been critical this week of both Kyle and Steve Wilkes, but I don't know, Lee. Do you think he's going to be up in the booth still? Do you think he's going to change too much? Or do you think he's going to be on, on the sideline on, on Sunday? I, I just don't think he's a sideline coach. I honestly no, don't. Really do. I've got absolutely no problem with him being up in the uh, the booth. No problem whatsoever. Defensive coordinators have been doing that for years. I, I don't think that's an issue because I don't see him 
as the type of motivational coach that Salah or Demeco Ryans was. I don't think we'll get that from him. And if he does try it, if it's forced, I think it would look forced, come across as forced. What we need, if Wilkes is going to stay up in the booth, because that's how we, that's how we can control the game better to see it from that that type of uh, height, angle, everything. I think we need one of our leaders on defense to step up on the sideline and, and be that kind of cheerleader that uh, Salah and Ryan's was. Get everybody wound up. We, we, that needs to be Fred Warner. Needs to be Fred Warner because I, I don't particularly think Boss is that vocal on the sidelines. So it's 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 got to be Fred. He so, needs to be doing that. So we did he the preview, is, the heartbeat of that defense, yeah. and I think we know that that Bose is fairly quiet, does his talking on the field. Yeah. Same at Armstead, he's the, probably the senior player in that in that defense, and again, he seems he's more of that quiet leader type. Uh, and we we need to bring some intensity, particularly early in this home game. We need to see that defense come out fired up and and wanting to put right what they did wrong last week. And I think a lot of the players have come out and some of the research so or the, the analysis has been a lot of individual mistakes as well as some scheme issues. And I think that's the players have got to be honest and you expect the players to put their hands up in the locker room and say, I got pulled out of position, I missed that tackle. You've got to expect the same of the coaches as well, I think, and for a coach yeah. to come in and say, yeah, I dialed up the one call and I made you guys look bad and I'm going to learn from it and be better because that's what you expect of the players and I don't see why that shouldn't apply to the coaches as well. Now, the coaches do have to maintain that that leadership and, and the slightly different, but they are a unit. There's guys on the sideline and there's guys on the field, but they need to work together uh, and I hope that Wilkes has, has been able to do that. And I hope that that brings the team together a little bit on, on the defensive side uh, and they get each other's backs. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what, it's a crying shame that Nadji's not here because you do know who we're missing on that sideline, don't you? Jimmy Ward. J- Jimmy yeah, yeah. Ward would have had everybody wound up on that sideline. I don't know whether you're being I, serious I or you're missing. trolling because Nadji's not here. <laughs> I'm trying to think, are you being serious or no, not No, I'm being serious. Jimmy Ward was a leader. He was a leader he on was. the team, and we lost the leader. And like I said, I don't think Fred is that type of player. Yes, he can bring the team together when they're on the field, um, but he's not the, like the, the the rah-rah type of defender, whereas Jimmy Ward was bouncing all over the place on the sideline. And I think that's mm-hmm. what we're missing. And when I look when I look at the defence, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to pick out who that could be. It, like I said, it should be Fred. It, it should be Fred. But just because you're a leader on the field doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be a good motivator off the field. If I, if I if I'm going to stick my finger in the air and uh, try and pick out a name, Yvonne Hargrave strikes me as somebody who would do that because mm-hmm. of the intensity that he plays with during the game. I, I think he could easily replicate that on the sidelines and get the full team motivated get the defence motivated because they've got to be hurting after the last two weeks. So you expect to see some sort of reaction against the Bengals. Unfortunately, we are going up against the Bengals who who offensively are a very good team. You have to be very careful with them and not give them too much space. But that's got to be a challenge for them. It's got to be a challenge. Anybody that's ever watched America's uh, game Teams that win the Super Bowl always go through some sort of adversity during the season. This could be ours. This could be ours. Our, our defense has—it's it's lost its identity over the last couple of weeks. People are now questioning whether we're a good defense at all, which, to be honest, is quite ridiculous. But I think this game could be a statement game for the defense mm. because, obviously, on, on offense, we've lost Brock Purdy, concussion protocol. All of a sudden, we've got Sam Donald in. There's going to be a huge amount of pressure on Sam Donald to, to win this game. Um, obviously, it's it's his chance to actually state a claim to to be QB one. Uh, and if he do, if he's not thinking that way, you need to get him out the door. I want him to come in thinking this is my opportunity to knock Brock Purdy get benched. If he's not, he shouldn't be in the team. So you've got that pressure there and then you've got the defence thing and 
Right, we've had these two previous uh, weeks where we've played terrible. Well, I'm saying played terrible. We haven't left that many points in. Um, but we haven't played to the standard that we that we have in the past. And they need to be going in with the um, the mindset of, right, we've had a change of quarterback. The offense might not be firing on all cylinders. We're missing Debo. We're missing Williams. We know CMC's battered, beat up a bit. So he might not play to his uh, to, to his full ability. So I would be hoping that the defense are going to have the back of the offense, go out there, make a statement, and step up. And I'd like to see the defensive line actually create some pressure. I think the, the pressure's there; they're just not getting home. Yeah. Shall we uh, move on to the uh, score predictions? The Niners are 3.5 point favourites and the over-under is 44.5. Those numbers have slipped a little bit more towards the Bengals' favour since Brock Purdy uh, was put in the concussion protocol. So they might be different if you've seen some numbers from earlier in the week. 3.5 point favourites is not a lot at home. So I think it's it's looking towards being a tightish game. Who is going to go first? It's only you two guys because you're at the top of the list. Or should we just dump Nagy in first because he's not here and can't argue <laughs> yeah, against yeah. it? Yeah, I think you should. I think you should. I think for full clarity, did, did, Na- didn't we Nagy need see to it? put a disclaimer on Nagy's because, hang on, Lee, I thought you were. Because let's face it, chaps, Nagy put two scars in. Is that allowed? No, he's, Are we he, allowed he's only getting one scar. He's only getting one scar. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think it's unlikely Brock is going to play. And to be honest, I would be worried if he was. Last season, we all saw what happened when Tua came back into a game after yeah. being in the concussion protocol. And and I don't want to see that. And I don't think with the bye week coming up, it's not, it isn't a must-win game. I don't feel that we should be messing around with, with players' brain health, personally. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I completely I, agree with uh, that. Right now, tonight, I don't want to see Brock playing. No. Especially having clar- seen the hit. But for uh, clarity, based on that, we, we do have Najee's score tonight as it stands on Thursday, Lee, if Brock did yeah, play. Yeah. But the 50-burger. In- that's, that's what Najee said, wasn't it? 50-burger <laughs> shootout. I'm sure that's what Najee said. Fantastic. Do we, so do we have somebody have Najee's score? Just- do, do somebody have Natchez? You do? Yeah, Gareth's got it there. Gareth's always prepared, Lee. Come on. It's just us two that rock up and go down the right hole. Right, Nagy's give us a second. Prediction. I'm going to have to get the chart up. We'll go but for Natchez without Brock prediction, I think, for the uh, for the show. Um, and he's not here to take the flack of a Niners loss. 17-21. to 21. Or 21-17, to 17, depending on how you would like to... Uh, Organise it. I suppose we're at home, so it should be seventeen. No, twenty-one seventeen, shouldn't it? So that's what we're right. going to record for posterity. That Nadji's uh, prediction is going to be. So do you want me to go now, Lee? Or... Hang on, hang on. Give me a second. <laughs> so he's gone for a loss. Yes, he has. Oh, sorry, that's that's the we lose a twenty-one seventeen loss. Right. Interesting. Mm, this could take up the uh, leader table, couldn't it? Mm. It could do. Um, go on then, Paul. Well, first, I want to agree with Gareth. Brain injuries and all that matter. And I want Brock to put his health first. But I do disagree, Gareth, that this isn't a must-win game. I've done my own history corner. Since 2000, only six out of 23 teams that have won the Super Bowl had a three-game losing streak during the regular season. So for me, it's a must-win game because we've had enough of the naysayers and the curses and all the omens. So on that note, I am going for a 49ers win and we're going to win 27-20. to 20. So it's going to be a nail-biter faithful. The emotional roller coaster is going to be in the house, but we do win, so keep that faith. So 27-20 to 20 is what I'm going for on Sunday. So I'm... I'm- before Gareth gives his score, I'm going to come in with my own little stat there, which, which I saw online today. Uh, apparently, no team that got beat by Kirk Cousins has ever gone on to win the Super Bowl. It's the first oh, for everything. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It was, records, records are there to be broken. And I, yeah. I'm just thinking back to last season when we were three and five at this time at uh, point. So yeah. going five and three. Exactly. 
doesn't strike me as being the end of the world. Go on, Lee. What so have you got for us? What, what? You first, Gareth. <laughs> Not that he's competitive. No. You're, you're heading know, the leaderboard. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> right, I'm going to go for a win. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I was quite concerned when Paul gave his... Um, score prediction there because I thought it was going to be exactly the same as mine but it's not it's slightly different I'm going to go for a 27 24 victory I think there's only going to be three points in it I, I think they'll definitely be able to move the ball on us um, I, I don't think it's going to come down to a field goal at the end I think it's a case of the Bengals are going to be chasing the game I think we probably is going to enter the fourth quarter 27 17 up that's what i'm expecting good i'll so take that a little bit of a bold prediction that is that's a little bit bold i've uh, i'm going to keep it simple i think uh tight game niners squeeze a win 23 20 and i think that's could be something that that does well another tough game Another maybe disappointed or disjointed game, but we grind out the win at the end at home and we go into the bye week feeling good. So that's all the scores updated. I had no idea that. I forgot to put this onto the screen. <laughs> I, I I was sharing it and it just said stop sharing at the bottom, so I assumed it was on the screen. So apologies that you did not see that. Um, apologies for everybody who listens on the podcast and did not see that. <laughs> <laughs> see without Nadji, look what happens chaos chaos you, you, you didn't really miss anything if you just listen to the podcast but those that are watching on their youtube obviously um so yeah there's the scores as you can see both paul and i are neck and neck still um i, I think there's only been daylight between us once this season which is not bad for seven games in and obviously looking at uh, our score ranges there our score predictions i don't think that's going to change too much this weekend I think it's all going to come down to how many points the Bengals score. Mm. Whether or not there's any daylight there. Well, if mine or Gareth's score is right, we both get points because we've both gone for the Bengals to get 20. So, <laughs> win-win all round. But, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's quite good, this new little wrinkle of the uh, podcast. I wonder if anyone else at home is keeping their scores and if you're being honest, we would like to see, upload them, put comment in the group, because it is a bit of fun between us four, but I know in the Discord Pick'em group, I think David Betteridge is smashing it out of the park. So I would be interested to see if anyone... Yeah, I dipped in earlier. I think Nadja asked <laughs> David how he's doing it, and David was like, it's pure luck. I thought at least he's honest. I appreciate yeah. that, Dave. But uh, yeah. no, if, if anyone else keeping their scores as well, do let us know, because it would be interesting to see where you compare to us four gentlemen on the podcast. I need to quickly check uh, Twitter because I think he did give. Oh, he didn't. I, I thought he'd given his prediction. No, no, but he hasn't. Not yet, at least, anyway. Not yet, yeah. He's keeping that tight lipped. Yeah. Right, well, yeah, now, that we, know that, that now that I know that, I'm, I'm going to message Dave Betteridge before we uh, do the predictions for the next <laughs> show. <laughs> We can oh. drop in some some predictions. So, Paul, yeah, I, 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 heard, I heard a rumour that there might be a little bit of a gathering for the Bengals game. Spill the beans. Yes. So, Mr. Gowland has it, a... Is it a gathering of strangers? A gather, well, it's not a gathering of strangers. That, that's a nice reference. I was going to... I nearly said my catchphrase and you've stopped me, so it's not going to count. So, yes. <laughs> Fantastic, See, that teacher's keeping my shirt. But yep. uh, I was going to say that Lee has established a good relationship with the Grosvenor Casino. We used to have the Super Bowl meetups in Newcastle. So I understand that whenever the 49 FFL UK would like to hold a meetup, the Grosvenor Casino are more than willing to accept. So yes, it's Stockton on Sunday. I've created an event on the Facebook page. I think as it stands at the moment, there's six or seven of us. It is a mini meet. It's basically a Sky game, Gareth, and I'm too tight to pay for Sky, but there's got in the yeah, gold me. mine and I can go and watch the game at the casino, I can watch it with friends it's always good when you get together I would echo what I've said previously if you're having a gathering of strangers, as Lee would say anywhere around the UK, hit us up if you've got a picture, if you've got your flag I'll, I'll stick it on Twitter, but given that it's the 
8.25 game. It's the Sky game. It's kind of ideal for a last-minute plan like we've made. So there's me, Lee, Connor Ryan, Neil Graham, uh, Ian Keane, and Jonathan Wraith. Is, uh, he's booked his hotel, and he tagged me and Lee in a post, which I thought would confuse Lee, because I hadn't told Lee the watch party was going ahead. And Jonathan tagged him and said, I'll make up for London. And I was like, yeah, I haven't told him yet, Jonathan. But on Sunday, we will beat Grayson, the Grosvenor Casino, decked out in red and gold, Gareth, to cheer on our boys. Fantastic. I'm sure they will be overjoyed to hear that over in Santa Clara. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts on the game? Um, no. Oh, Lee's thinking. I know. I mean, I, I was just about to call it an historic rivalry, but it's not, I mean, we've only played 17 games. But the reason, the reason behind that thinking is obviously the two Super Bowls. Um, they, they obviously spring straight to mind whenever you think about the, the 49ers Bengals, which is why I kind of like going up against them because it, it brings back those memories. Um, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we can do it to them what we did in the Super Bowl. Just score a few extra points. Mm. I think if anyone here was uh, lucky enough to be far too young to miss either of those games, there, I think they are available on your, on your Game Pass, and I'm sure there's plenty of highlights around on YouTube, particularly, I think, the final drive. Uh, that is well worth watching if you want to see vintage Montana uh, and vintage Rice and uh, Craig also on that drive as well, who I think gobbled up most of the yards for John Taylor to finish it off at the end. So if you want to kill a little bit of time on Sunday afternoon, it's well worth having a, a dip into certainly Super Bowl 23 and, and Super Bowl 16. So great stuff, Ned. Thanks for joining me. And thanks to everyone who watches and listens to the show. Let us know what you think about the game. Maybe you can put out your own predictions. Put them in the comments when we post the podcast, or you can put it on Twitter because I will not be calling it X because it's just confusing. We will be back next week to review the Bengals game. We'll be heading into the bye week. And I think the three of us and Nadji will have to have a little bit of a think to make sure we cobbled something together by way of a podcast during the bye week to keep you warm during that dull weekend where we have to watch the other teams. Anyway, enjoy your weekends and go Niners. Go Niners. Bang, bang, nana, gang. We love the San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff farm going 99. Don't get it twisted. One and all with Rob Tom. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the side.